Hello, and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Shruti Sheth Trivedi, Senior Reporter at Nursing Standard. October marks Speak Up Month for the NHS. It is a campaign by the National Guardian's Office that aims to raise awareness of freedom to speak up guardians and the work they do, and making speaking up business as usual for everyone. So in this episode, I will be talking to Jane Chitty Clark the National Guardian for Freedom to Speak Up in the NHS in England and a registered nurse. Welcome to the podcast, Jane. Thank you, Shruti. It's great to be here. Could you um, just sort of start off by explaining a little bit about your role? uh, What is a National Guardian and what do you do? Of course. So as the National Guardian, this office was set up in response to Sir Robert Francis's recommendations following his Speak Up review and his earlier work looking at the care failings in Midstaffs. And he had a number of recommendations in there, which included the setting up of an office. And I'll explain a little bit more about what I do in a moment. Um, But the purpose was to lead, train and support a network of Freedom to Speak Up guardians. This was a new role that um, Sir Robert felt would help uh, patient safety uh, within the NHS. What he found in the Midstaffs review um, and wider was that very often workers would know that something wasn't right and there could be big patient safety issues but that either they hadn't spoken up about it because they were afraid that um, they might suffer in some way for doing so, or that they had spoken up about it, but that nothing had been done. And so he was proposing to have this new role, which would provide a valuable additional safety route for workers speaking up in the NHS. So the office was to um, lead, train and support that network of guardians. So that's the first function we were set up to do. Mm -hmm. The second is to carry out reviews to help learning of what helps and hinders a good speaking up culture. And the third remit was to speak to the national um, state of speaking up in uh, in England, in the NHS. And um, that was particularly reinforced by the government's response to the Gosport inquiry, whereby we were required to continue the work we're doing and to annually produce a report on freedom to speak up in the NHS in England that's laid before Parliament, so really highlighting to... Um, to Parliament, the the successes, the progress, and still the challenges that exist, and so we've been doing that for the last few years since then as well. Brilliant! Thank you so much for explaining that. Um, raising concerns and some of the challenges around it have come sort of in the limelight recently, especially in light of the Lucy Letby case, uh, where it was revealed that consultants' fears about Letby weren't addressed for several months. Um, So in response to that, you know, the government announced last month that it would strengthen freedom to speak up policies across all NHS trusts by January. Um, uh, The health secretary said that the national policy would bring consistency to freedom to speak up across NHS organisations in supporting staff to feel more confident to speak up and raise any concerns. What do you think about this decision? Do you think it's achievable and, you know, will it have an impact on staff feeling more comfortable in raising concerns? So the government's um, response to that isn't asking for anything new already. When the new updated Freedom to Speak Up policy and guidance was published, um, which we developed um, in association with NHS England and NHS England 
own the policy and then jointly we have the guidance that supports it. When that was published earlier in the year, there was a requirement by NHS England for all NHS boards to have updated their local policy to reflect the new policy, to assess their own speak up arrangements against the revised guidance and to ensure that it's got a really good robust implementation plan and that that needed doing by January 24. So what the government I think were was restating that commitment to that really important piece of work it's not an additional piece of work that was already you know before the trial verdict and the shocking things that we we heard for that that's an ask of NHS Trust now to answer your question the second part of it which is will that help yes I think it will help because it's it's highlighting the importance of work that organizations need to do day in day out on improving their speak up culture to ensure that when people do speak up um, well a that there's good routes for speaking up but really importantly that there's a commitment to listening and then taking appropriate proportionate timely action lovely thank you very much Um, There's been some analysis by the National Guardian's office of the NHS staff survey, the latest one, um, which showed a drop in nurses' confidence, especially to speak up, particularly around raising concerns about unsafe clinical practices. What are some of the challenges that nurses face that you know of when deciding to raise concerns and what can be done to mitigate this? Yeah, an excellent question, Shruti. Mm -hmm. We were really disappointed to see that decline Um, and it's not just within nursing we've seen it as a as a across the whole as well that decline in confidence Mm -hmm. Um, but you know talking to a nursing audience here today with you um, it is key that nurses do feel that they can speak up and that when they do they'll be listened to and it'll be acted on I think we know and I've already mentioned them in my introduction, we know that the two biggest barriers to the workers feeling they can speak up is fear and futility. And this is replicated in international research across all sectors, not just health. We know those are the two biggest barriers, but there are other barriers that exist as well. And I think for nurses, the fear one is is very big. You know, will I get missed out for promotion? Will I give myself a bad name? Will I be seen as a troublemaker? You know, worst case scenario, some of the high profile cases, might I lose my job over this? Mm. So I think those are very real fears that nurses have. And in order to combat that particular fear, we need to see organisations doing the right thing when people speak up and not that they are victimised in any way, that they suffer detriment in any way. That's absolutely vital. If we talk about the um, the fear of futility, and I know from you know from from the published data and from speaking with both guardians and with nurses, is that if I think well, there's no point speaking up because I've raised it before and nothing's happened, then that you know, that reinforces a negative message that there's no point in potentially putting myself at risk because nothing's going to change anyway. Mm. Um, and I think that is. To overcome those barriers, it's really important that organisations have a robust culture of responding to whatever anyone brings to them as a gift, as an opportunity for improvement, uh, because that's absolutely what it is. Um, And in doing so, then make sure that you feed back to the person who's speaking up what's being done about what they said. Now, 
I might speak about something as a nurse within my organisation and actually the organisation think about it, they look at it um, and actually decide for whatever reason that, that they're not going to change anything in response to this. But if I don't know the rationale for that, if I haven't been included in that response, then I'm going to think, well, it's just been ignored. And it might not be being ignored. There might be a very, you know, strong rationale for, for, for why action isn't necessarily going to be taken. However, we also need to make sure that when action is taken within the bounds of confidentiality, that again, someone who's given us that important message of the information they've spoken up, that they know that something has been done about it. So, you know, the you said we did, mm. absolutely vital. And I talk with guardians who, through this, and this is not just through the guardian route of speaking up. This is if I speak up to my line manager. This is if I speak up to HR, to patient mm. safety. Um, all these routes are absolutely vital. And it's vital, this feedback wherever possible to help increase the confidence in nurses to see that actually it's really vital and it's really important. Do you think then, um, sort of following on from that, I know you said it's vital that nurses should be able to speak to everyone and not just Freedom Speak Up guardians. Do you think, you know, there was there was um, a whistleblower that raised with us that, you know, there's sometimes prejudice or... Uh, you know, maybe managers are not just just not trained as as well to be able to deal with these concerns. Do you think that's that's an issue in the NHS? Yeah, I I, I do. I think nobody's born a manager. You know, and if I think back to, to to my career as a nurse within management, you know, it's very dependent on the organisation you work in, what additional training and support you get for doing a management role. Mm. And I think it's really, really important that organisations look at, well, OK, for different levels of managers, what are we saying to them about um speak up culture and psychological safety as it's like you would you know about safeguarding for example and mm. ensure that they've got the right level of training regarding that now one of the things that um is 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 really clear for me as an opportunity obviously as nurses we have our code of contact with the nursing and midwifery council mm-hmm. and within that it talks about you know our obligations to speak up for patient safety and, and you know for doing the right thing now i think it Okay, so we have it in a code of conduct, but how do we make that real for people? What are the conversations we're having at a local level when we're doing our manager's induction and our manager's training? Um, how are we having really realistic conversations about, okay, so what is your responsibility? What is somebody else's responsibility? And then equipping them with the skills to do so. And I think for me, Listening and listening to really understand what's in the message that someone's giving you is a key skill. And those nurses, you know, we have a lot of communication skills training when we uh, when we train. But I think reinforcing that as a manager, that how you listen to find out what someone's saying, what the message, the intent, what they hope to achieve is a is a really important um, skill for people to have. And then very much to be equipped with the skills to ensure that they understand, you know, that it's you need to have a timely response and that something doesn't drag on for months and months and months and just sitting there in the ether. Yeah. That it's um that it's a compassionate response. You know, these skills that, as I say, you don't necessarily you're not necessarily born a manager, but mm. I think there's a lot we can do to um to equip nurses who are managers 
with those appropriate skills around speaking up. And the other bit, of course, is, um, is, is our training. So in conjunction with Health Education England, we've produced three e-learning modules. There's one called Speak Up, so that's all about the foundations of speaking up. Then there's second one is Listen Up, and that's aimed at managers. So for me, I don't have the powers to mandate that every organisation makes this mandatory, mm. but I strongly encourage organisations to ensure that their managers have done that module as a start. And yeah. of course, e-learning is only as good as how it's then interpreted and put into practice. So it's making those e-learning modules, which someone might do by themselves, bringing it alive with the conversations, with the team meetings, with the action learning sets, you know, all the different ways you can do that. So that's our second module. And then we have a third man module called follow-up and that one's aimed at leaders you know what at an organizational level at a leadership level what's absolutely key and again you know there'll be nurses who are in leadership roles um, that um, I would hope uh, you know if anything has been taught from this horrendous case um, in, at the County of Chester that you refer to is the importance of us all staff all at all levels in an organization um, whether we're frontline worker whether we're working in you know an office or support function whether we're in leadership or in management that we really understand what our role in creating the good speak up culture is and what our role as managers and leaders in responding when people speak up to us is mm -hmm. because that's absolutely essential if we're going to stop awful things happening Absolutely, very much so. Um, you've said before, actually, and I think it was in a Nursing Standard interview, that international nurses especially find it harder, much harder to raise concerns than their UK counterparts. Why do you think this is? Yes, I've said that and, uh, you know, there is data to uh, to support that as well as when you speak with nurses um, from, um, you know, who have a, an internationally educated background. Mm -hmm. When we look at the 2022 um, ESR, the um, um, electronic staff record data, which shows there are over 52,000 um, of our workforce in England come from an Asian nationality. You know, we've got over 40, nearly 44,000 registered Filipino nurses. And um, it's, 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 I don't want to just pull out two or three cohorts because anybody coming from a different, um, a different cultural background may have a different interpretation of what having the freedom to speak up means. I often use an example, and I've discussed it with um, with with friends. I went to India um, as a um, newly qualified nurse to get an experience on a on an elective at a leprosy hospital, and um, there was only one nurse. Most of the care was delivered by uh, by by people's families who were having reconstructive surgery and active treatment for leprosy, and the centre of, 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 of a lot of great work. I remember going on my first ward round with the nurse and um, the doctor was saying, I can't remember what he was saying, but he was saying something. And I asked a question of him as to what, what that was about and to help me understand a bit more. And I was taken to one side by the nurse that was looking after me who said, Jane, you don't speak to doctor you're too junior it's not mm. considered you know acceptable here to yeah. do that um and uh and, and you're a nurse as well so put the two together that gave me a bit of an insight as to what now we're talking that was quite a long time ago because i've i've been around um <laughs> quite a long time um 
but actually I speak to friends who have come from um, India and I, I've asked them about this experience what is the culture like now and obviously it'll be different with different people within different families but yeah. there is still for some cultures a perspective that if I speak up um, uh, if, I, if I speak up you know it might be considered disrespectful rude mm. um, you know and and therefore just saying to uh, you know uh, someone who's um, come and trained overseas and has been brought up overseas within a different culture just saying oh it's okay to speak up here because um because you know we expect it we we ask it we've got these policies around it doesn't help me think about well does that feel safe for me to do so is that crossing some boundaries that you know if i was working in you know in the philippines or elsewhere um, that 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 I wouldn't do, and that's you know speaking to your elders, speaking to different professions, all of that. So what's really really important is that a, an organisation employing you know a plethora of workers from different backgrounds understands that there may be barriers presented to particularly we're talking about internationally educated workers. I've spent some time talking with in our office, working with Jennifer Caguia. So Jennifer is uh, the Chief Nursing Officer's International Nursing and Recruitment Advisor, and she is passionate about wanting to improve the sort of the, the induction, the settling in, the support for nurses who come from, uh, from, um, from overseas. And what she's asked me to do, so I've given um, a presentation about speaking up and, and a Q&A with a group of internationally educated midwives, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, she's set up um, a number, I think there's 33 different internationally educated nurse associates um, across 26 nationalities. And my team are working with those nurse associates to help them understand what we mean in this English culture in the NHS of speaking up and um, what that means, sort of, you know, responsibilities, expectations, um, uh, etc. And in the hope that they will then disseminate that through their networks. Um, I'm also working with um, the Nursing Midwifery Council on their induction programme, trying to influence getting some better speak up education into that induction and that initial training that nurses have when they're going to come and join the UK register. Mm -hmm. So there's some work going on at that level. But what's really important is that as a local level, are we having those conversations with our different staff groups um, uh, about what the potential barriers and how does it feel for you? Because if we just expect uh, people to know and understand what the culture is in relation to this, then we're possibly setting ourselves and them up for failure. We need to help them understand, discuss what the barriers for them personally might be and encourage them to see and understand that that isn't disrespectful here, etc. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. And I think it, it sort of follows on well from what... Um... Uh, of Freedom to Speak Up Guardian and Nurse um, Helen Donnelly, who we uh, often speak to on this topic, she's also said sort of similar things to you. Where it's it's sort of important to note that policy processes and guidance are only as effective as the people implementing them. So I think, you know, that that's sort of important to to keep in mind, isn't it? That's absolutely key. And in fact, um, the other thing that. Uh, Freedom to Speak Up guardians do in their own organisations is very much do this proactive work of helping different staff groups understand that additional route they have, helping other 
workers and managers and leaders understand the needs of um, the different parts of the workforce that might have particular barriers. And I know, because when I go out on trust visits, that a lot of guardians um, uh, actually have a slot on the induction of their internationally um, educated recruits, be they nurses or doctors um, and and others. And that's really important, that localisation of what you might read in a policy and really putting a face to the name around what this process is for us in this organisation and ultimately what it means for you as an individual welcoming you into working in this environment. So following on more widely um, from that, then what support is or should be in place to encourage all staff to feel confident in raising issues, whether you're internationally educated or not? Um, You know, I know there are differences in the way that affects people's confidence. So what sort of support, you know, do you think should be there or is there already to, to help with this? So I think initially the training, which I've already touched on in mm-hmm. one of my earlier parts of our conversation, I think if people have that understanding of what we mean, you know, because just, you know, saying, you know, you have the freedom to speak up, what does that really mean? And, and how do we interpret that as an individual? So I think that's the first. The second is knowing the different routes. So again, it's, you know, we all know organisations have probably hundreds of policies covering all sorts of areas and a policy written on a piece of paper doesn't necessarily translate into me really understanding what that means for me in person so you know opportunities for guardians for example talking about the guardian route and the other routes you know making sure that you know as part of induction I mean I don't know whether it's on many trusts induction checklist so when I you know um as a for example as a um as a, as a nurse leader, you know, signing off somebody's induction, you look at what policies they've reviewed, what, what mandatory training they've done and have a live discussion about that and any concerns they're having about it. You know, is freedom to speak up in there? Do they understand the local policy, the different routes um, that they can use should they wish to speak up? And that includes the internal routes that we've discussed, like line manager, HR, safeguarding, patient safety, mm. unions freedom to speak up but also the external routes that you can use if you want to speak up so it's it's i think that localization making it a conversation rather than a um a dry policy is what's really important will give workers the support they need i think a lot of guardians will use their um their different staff networks so be that the minority ethnic network network for people living with disabilities or um different networks of different staff groups you know so you can localize you can talk about it together with people um, and really have those conversations Um, I think workers obviously have an opportunity to comment locally through the big NHS staff survey but often organizations will have shorter pulse surveys that they're using outside of the main staff survey and that's a good opportunity to hear from workers and then co-create with workers what are we going to do to improve this if we don't feel it's um it's good enough because you know one thing we're absolutely sure um i use the quote quite often when i'm talking with people about freedom to speak up megan wright's um uh, a researcher in this area talks about the silence of missing voices costs careers relationships and lives and so the attention that organisations give to ensuring that their workers have a voice and it's a voice that's, that's heard and then appropriately acted upon is absolutely vital. Definitely. As we near the end of the podcast, um, I wanted to ask you 
just to tell our listeners why it's so important for them to feel confident and them to feel like they're able to raise concerns whenever whenever something comes up? It is essential as as a worker that you feel you have a voice that matters. It's in our people promise. And actually, if you're feeling it doesn't feel safe around here, I would urge you to talk with other of your colleagues and see if they feel the same, because maybe there's safety in numbers in speaking, you know, about this with others, you know, at a team meeting or, um, you know, at an away day or in feedback when I'm having a one to one with my line manager or go and seek out your Freedom Speak Up Guardian and have a conversation. And maybe, you know, sometimes as a group that helps, because if what I'd like to urge people to think about is, how comfortable do I currently feel? And if I don't, what's, yes, it's my organisation's responsibility to do this wider work to improve that, but what's my contribution I can make to that improvement journey? Because if I don't tell people, it's really hard. And as I say, I can do that in maybe a safer way in a group or, you know, responding to surveys or, um, you know, it, joining a local forum and then being part of that. Voice. If we don't do that and be part of the solution, then we're not going to help overcome these dreadful barriers. And at the end of the day, we all come to work, most of us, you know, come to work to do a good job. And that includes speaking up for patient safety or my colleagues' well-being, etc. If I, if if needed, uh, or giving, you know, um, giving a, um, a lot, some feedback that might help quality improve a situation, you know, so a suggestion for improvement. And if I don't feel I'm working in an environment that I can do that, have those conversations with others so that you can start helping be part of the solution um, rather than just sitting alone with that and not mm. feeling like above it. And even if you don't have anything you want to speak up about at the moment, but you think, well, if I did, what would I do? And if the answer is, well, I don't feel confident to, then have those conversations more widely within your team so you can be part of that solution because it's everybody's business, everybody's responsibility. And maybe look out for some of the stuff we're doing in the National Guardian's office and what your local guardian's doing during October's Raising Awareness It's Speak Up Month, because there might be some helpful things for you to get engaged with and uh, and to learn from. And really importantly, to have your voice heard, contribute to that improvement in your organisation, because ultimately it's about best patient care, which is why we become nurses. So um, I think that would be my final tip for you today, if that's helpful. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, It was really interesting to speak to you and you had some really good insights. So I hope our listeners can take some of those away from, from our conversation. Thank you, Jane.